Podcasting is a complicated profession, which is why we're here to discuss Andor, currently airing on Disney+. Plus. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined on this show, as always, by my co-host, Tony Sindelar is here. Hi, Tony. Hello, Dan. Hello, nerds. Happy to talk about Star Wars. Kat Benish is also here. Hi, Kat. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the sheep, which are actually apparently real sheep. With, they still had extra horns yeah, glued well, on. We I did mean, clarify that, but somebody pointed out. 66.6% of those horns were real. The mm. uh, Truly the most devilish of sheep. Do we, we, <laughs> do, we cha- do we have podcast titles? Can we do that? 66.6% of the sheep were real? You want to start now? Yes. <laughs> Middle of the season. Great place <laughs> to introduce podcast titles. Yeah, sure. Why mm. not? Mm. Consistency is uh, the hobgoblin of something something. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, well... <laughs> Here. We are back. Uh, we are discussing uh, episode five of season one of Andor, entitled The Axe Forgets, which is not about body spray. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, you know what? We should have, this is one of those cases where ahead of time, we probably should have discussed who was going to recap this week. So I wasn't know. worried because I did it last week, so it's not me. <laughs> well done. All right, to recap this week's episode, it's going to be me. Uh, as opposed to our predictions last week, this episode did not cover the heist, but instead continued to cover the run-up to the heist. Just just so, let that uh, pan simmer, Dan. No need to, to serve uh, it yet. Just keep it, it's, keep it on a low oh, that's boil. That's why I keep that, that pan on uh, a uh, slow burn. Um, yeah. So this week's episode, as with some of the, uh, the other ones we've seen, had a bunch of different pro- plot lines. The main plot thread involves Cassian being at the rebel camp he is not really trusted by any of his compatriots especially skeen mm-hmm. um who uh is uh as we learn has been uh, in a bunch of uh, imperial like detention facilities at various points and they s- sort of like you know quite have a bond over that but they like it's like a game recognized game moment mm-hmm. um i thought they were going to be pl- friends after that like that was like everything oh, we're yeah, cool no, now no. Well, we've cool now. I've taken my shirt off and shown you my commemorative tattoos. We're good. <laughs> I've, I've searched. I've searched all your belongings. We're good. <laughs> you know the usual. Yeah. Um, I don't. Dan you said that no one else knew what they were. Just Cassian. Yeah. It was sort of like Dan, thought, that point was like a bit of a pride thing, and then yeah, it just fell apart. Yeah, Dan. It, it should be clear. I don't know how to make friends. I don't know how to make friends with people. So you know, um, just just root <laughs> for all their stuff. Take their things in the middle of the night, and then tell them it's Tat- cool. Tattoos as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you um, think Dan and I met at the, the t- 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 parlor, right? <laughs> mm. uh, but the plan is happening anyways, and essentially uh, they have, uh, you know, finished their training and decide to, you know, like head off and burn their camp behind them because you don't want to leave mm-hmm. any evidence. That's a burn the boats situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. No Did evidence, no going camp? back. Yeah. yeah. They, they set fired all the yeah. stuff. They burned like the miniatures. Yeah, they burned all the the stuff that was in the camp, essentially, and they yeah. let all the sheep out. I, I will say that was as a minor note, but again, still talking about more sheep. Um, I'm really glad they again. Okay, you think it's a joke, but actually, on a more serious note, right? What I appreciate about this show fundamentally is that it makes the entire Star Wars world realistic, right? So I feel like there's a lot of shows that would have just shown them leaving and wouldn't have shown the important detail of like burn your miniatures and let the sheep out. Otherwise, you would have mm. been asking for years, like, oh. Do you think Cassie never let the sheep out of the sheep pens? Which would have been cruel and unusual punishment to the sheep. Anyways, so, but again. Attention to detail. The, yeah, important. Exactly. But it just makes the show seem real, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. The small things. Count. It is. It is. Um, on the way uh, to the uh, the dam that they're headed to, or, you know, uh, which is also the Imperial base, um, we have a confrontation where um, 
basically Skeen figures out that, that Cassian's carrying the kyber crystal that's worth a crap ton of money, which makes him super suspicious. Uh, tensions run high. Cassian comes clean and tells him that he's being paid. He's a mercenary. The rest of the group is not super enthused about this, but they're like, hey, this is this is like jitter, you know, pre, pre-mission jitters. Like, we're going to go ahead with it anyways. Uh, they reach their sort of camp location. Vel and Cinta, right, uh, go off. They're someplace that we don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. they uh, signal uh, the inside man, Lieutenant Gorn, uh, that they're sort of in position and, you know, basically are, are hunkered down for the night before this whole, like, uh, celebration, the Aldani celebration thing is happening. Um, we also have a related story with Gorn. We see a little bit more of him at the base, his interactions with uh, a bunch of the Imperial uh, staff there. Uh, including, I thought, my personal favorite scene in this episode, which is a scene where he basically, like, chews out some, like, engineers who have to, like, uh, paint a gantry. And they're like, oh, but we really want to go to the party. And he's like, well, I guess you could just leave a minimal crew down here and go to the party. Just make sure it's painted <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, which basically lets... And he walks them, yeah. away, he has just the shadow of a smirk, which was very well yeah, done. Yeah, so, like, let them do the heavy lifting and and insist upon not yeah, being and, there so they can go like rob it and make it their idea that the yeah, exactly yeah, right right it yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah and make sure to tell all your friends how close you were to working that shift so mm-hmm. you guys look like everyone knows that you were the ones who uh wanted a light shift and the the sort of linkage part in that a little bit too is casting at the beginning is talking about sort of the setup for this ship and discussing exactly how it's configured and realizing to a certain degree that these guys are not super prepared for this well they're yeah. just asking like is there they don't know that there's a readout of weight just a screen yeah. that tells you the weight and he's so shocked and surprised that he now insists on being the one who actually flies the, the- right yeah because he's mm-hmm. his his butt's on the line um so now we have that all sort of set up in our other stories um uh we have uh karn comes home so and we have good. a lot of interaction yeah. with Karn and his mother. <laughs> yep. And so lovely. Why why uh, did he ever leave home? Um, yeah. Boy, that actress, uh yeah. that is one of those like parts where you feel like somebody punches above their weight in terms of like, yeah. a part that could have been very bland Bo- and phoned interesting. In. Yeah. She, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's she on really stage lands maybe it. less than two minutes and she or maybe even less All than a minute. Of it. Yeah, owns. yeah. She chews the scenery as yeah. they say. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he is basically being told that like, oh, maybe law enforcement wasn't for you, and uh, Uncle Harlow, the mysterious Uncle Harlow, will uh and find my, a job for you somewhere. My theory is that Uncle Harlow is um, oh, the head of ISB or the main ISB director that we've been talking to. I'm I'm a little more skeptical because I think if he's like like oh, law enforcement wasn't for you, but like mm-hmm. imperial spying that is for you. Just my could theory. Be. Could be. Could be. My my um, theory is he's a, he works in something completely unrelated. Like he runs a restaurant yeah, or something. Use use speeders <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. And that just thinks, when we wonder, are uh, you going to rejoin the the plot? He goes back to his room to stare at the hologram of um hologram <laughs> of Cassian. Yeah. Yeah. Does he is because he he because he has like sort of a uh, Javert Valjean thing or because he's <laughs> yeah. crushing on him? I don't know. Could be either. Could mm-hmm. be both. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Elsewhere, Mon Mothma's home life also we get a peek into, and it's like Not we thought great. last week with his with her husband. It was kind of awkward and strange, but it turns out her teenage daughter also kind of hates her. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't want to be seen with her, like dropped off at school or whatever. And then there's a tent scene yeah. later. It starts. It starts to make sense. Back. That she, she would basically leave all this life behind to start a terrorist cell. Um, it just <laughs> sounds nice, right? Yeah, you know, get away from it all. No reason. Uh, yep. <laughs> Um, uh, I, also, I have to throw. Uh, I have, have to overthrow overthrow the Imperials because my my daughter is awful because she's a teenager. <laughs> maybe maybe her, maybe her daughter will finally respect her once she shows her yeah. backbone and overthrows yeah. the, the it's Empire. It's possible. Yeah, uh-huh. maybe not. Uh, maybe not. Elsewhere, we also have uh, Blevin, uh, our ISB agent, mm-hmm. who is on uh, Ferrix and is. Uh, basically setting up a new uh, headquarters to oversee the planet and commandeering a hotel. Uh, And then Miro is still digging into this pattern and is still trying to establish that uh, there is an organized resistance, which her gut is telling her, even though they don't necessarily have the proof. Although, as they point out, it's too random to be random, right? Mm, Great line. Everything is spread out. Yeah. Again, just the little touches to make things seem very real is the, the the final shot of her taking, I don't know, their caffeine pills or some sort of uh, stimulant just to stay awake. This so is science do- fiction cat. Stim pills, please. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. <laughs> or they're drinking calf, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, just little small details to make it seem like, okay, yes, I can see that you're desperate to prove this. And that's, I don't know. I, I really, really appreciate all those small touches that just make the character seem so real. I like that she's actually like, she's like, oh, you should go home, right? Like, she's yeah. got like some managerial chops. She's like, oh, you don't have to hang out here. And he's like, no, oh, I want to. Two more files each. Yeah, let's do it. Um, it, remind, it. It has a little whiff of something. I don't know, Tony, if you felt like this, a little whiff of like something like The Wire, where it's like, yeah, oh, there's a pattern here. We got to. We just got to grind it out. Find yeah. It. I love her yep. line. Like, I know because if I were doing it, this is exactly how I would do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then we finally have a brief visit in with Luthen, who is in the back of his shop and sort of waiting for contact from Vel and is a little concerned and has to admit to his assistant that Vel isn't the only link back to him and or mm-hmm. is also a possibility. Like if this blows up, could blow back mm-hmm. on him. Well, he's very anxious. Like he asks yeah. if both of her go bags are packed and it gives actually the, if we want to start here, it gives off the impression in many ways that um, he walked. He seemed like he was a very confident character and that this was one of many heists and running multiple cells. But his level of concern and some of his dialogue implies this is the, one of the first major hits they're yeah. doing. Right. Yeah, I, I, I thought too. until now, like, oh, he does this all the time. And it does not feel like that right now. <laughs> right? It feels like this is kind of the step up moment where they're yeah. like, we're this going is something time, new. Right? This yeah. is higher stakes. I could go to jail for this. Like, yeah, no, this is this is a big it's, deal. It's organized, right? It's not just one, like one or two Random losing a star path unit here and there, yeah. but yeah. the an actual heist on payroll is is has yeah. to be an organized rebellion. I don't know. I mean, I assume I don't remember if we covered this last week or not, but like my sort of drawing the lines between things is the assumption that the money that he is trying to get out of Mon Mothma is to essentially to pay Cassian because he yeah. promised him two hundred thousand, well, which is a lot of money. And Mon Mothma had. I mean, they, the weird conversation with her husband about starting like a new charity and i was like it was like is there a charitable foundation that's like funneling money to the rebellion this is like you know like you guys gotta get better at your paperwork advantage guy from 
He's yeah. a disadvantaged guy from Canary. Uh, he know, needs he job retraining. He yeah, thing. he's on the run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is he. This is the Cassian Andor Charitable Foundation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, and yeah, we, yeah. Mi- we 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 might we might be blowing up a bunker. Don't 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 look too close. <laughs> don't, yeah. I figure they just yeah. pay him out of the top of the payroll, assuming they're successful. Mm. But I guess they also need to pay him if it's unsuccessful. It's unclear. Mm. Um, I mean, unless he's dead, in which case yeah. saves you a lot of money. Well, it implies that this is also they're trying to get the money to. Assuming payroll is more than two hundred thousand credits, which I've got to believe it is. <laughs> what are those imperial stormtroopers? They did show they had they had a, a a a pan shot a of like yeah. of crates yeah, of like cool. octagonal or hexagonal boxes of I assume credits. So yeah, yeah this was or, you know yeah, like we talked last players. time about how uh, it seems like the imperials or the people that they control are uh, unbanked, and it it definitely cat uh, kind of made me. It had that. Uh, you know, a lot of Star Wars is reusing of uh, kind of Western tropes and the, you know, the big yeah. vault full of money that we don't really know what we're doing with was uh, definitely felt like a uh, reminded me of that of like, yeah, does it make sense that uh, people are unbanked? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, there's a there's a big vault full of money and it's a, a liability and we don't know what to do with it. So we yeah. um, there's also. That kind of reminds me of the other piece while they're on. um Aldani, what the beginning of the interaction with uh, what's the name the guy who builds the figurines? Oh, Nemec. 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 Start explaining his manifesto, which was just the delight. yes. That's great. No, that's right. I, but what's also really cool that he explains uh, why he has what essentially looks like a sextant, uh, and mm-hmm. next to his manifesto and talking about why how it's so important to use the old technology because it's easy to fix. It can't be hacked. You can replace it, uh, and it doesn't come from the Empire. You're I independent. Like, yeah, you get it. You get the feeling that, you know, he runs Linux. Um, so. <laughs> but, but I think it also explains when you see the rebel bases uh, yeah. in all the original series, why everything feels kind of old tech. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like they did a really nice job of retconning why they're using that because it's safer. They can repair it. It's not it tracked. Yeah, it's exactly. uh, to me it, it, it ring of uh, the uh, the reboot, the Battlestar Galactica reboot. That's oh, like yeah. a whole mm-hmm. plot point at the beginning of that where it's like the Cylons, all the new equipment can be hacked by the Cylons, so they have to like break into a museum and steal like mm-hmm. old ships in order to mm-hmm. evade it. So I, I kind of like that as a uh, tip of the hat. I saw somebody online complaining about like this is like ah oh, we're talking about right to repair in Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I guess. Well, you get the <laughs> idea that the Imperial stuff like it's all tracked and it's all garbage and it doesn't it doesn't hold up and it's I mean I think that's like I mean I feel like that is that is a message that is present in the original trilogy and they're just taking it to the further extreme right I mean it's like Tie Fighters don't have shields and Stormtrooper armor mainly just blocks your peripheral vision and they have yep. all this stuff that. It's just junk, right? Like it's for show, and you have uh, you know rows of marching, gleaming soldiers, and that's intimidating. But it's not—they're not actually protected. And the Tie Fighters, there's lots of them, and they can turn out a bunch of them. But they're you know they're basically disposable, and they mm-hmm. maybe should care should care more about their pilots. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think this fashion. is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's the fast fashion of uh of the galaxy. Oh, uh boy. it's junk. It it'll break down yes. and both like it seems like uh you know, is it Nemec? Is that what he is? I know it's with an N. Yeah. Um Nemec is both kind of like he is philosophically opposed to it. Like he's the philosophy grad student who got in on this heist. Um, but also like he's living in the woods. He needs stuff that's going to work, right? Mm-hmm. He can't. He he needs something he can take apart and fix himself. Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad we got 
we got more Nemec and Skeen, uh, Scheme. We got a little bit with the other ones. I'm really glad we got more with each of this because I because yeah. you know before we got their names and I was like I'm not learning your names. You guys are gonna die in 20 minutes. Nemec, yeah. uh, and it's like no, we're gonna get a little bit more with each of them. We haven't gotten. I think Cinta and Val perhaps got the yeah. least, yeah. though it seems like perhaps they have a secret part of the heist that maybe that's why but uh i mean we got we got a lot with um uh and we didn't get as much substance with tamarin i guess who's i guess second in command in the in this cell and was doing the kind of like okay i'm gonna train you to march like soldiers right. and uh, kind of suggested maybe yeah. he was ex-imperial like yeah there was something with the the like training them to walk correctly yeah. but at the same yeah. time cassian points out like you know the handedness of everybody and how they have to be standing on you know, the right sides of people yeah. and stuff like that in order to have their weapons free, which I thought was like another, you know, Kat, you mentioned this when we were watching it is like another point about like, he's kind of insufferable. Like he's right. Yes, he is. But like, yeah. this is why everybody is annoyed at him. He has his oh, three, yeah. he has his three moments, right? He has the like, you guys don't know how to fly a ship when there's a whole thing. I get, And I didn't quite get it, but there's some kind of like launcher or something because the ship is being launched at like like an angle from underground or something like that and it can't take off on its own power so it gets kind of like slingshotted up into the air or something like that you've got to adjust the weight like an air force push it yeah yeah and so we have to do something with the lever to adjust the for the weight of the money we're going to load into it and no one had thought about that until now and they because that seems a little weird because they're kind of like we're quizzing you and he's like you aren't actually quizzing me right you like you don't know how do you not know we're doing this tomorrow (laughs) yeah Um, like like, we know but just like just a just a check just to confirm like that you know that Um, we know and, you know, and he does the thing where he's like, you can tell him it's your idea, but I am flying that ship because we're going to die otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Definitely interval and the whole thing. If you, if you can't find that guy in the room, it's you're that guy. Yeah. Um, and then he has the, you know, the- which which handedness. And then I feel like those those two beats then culminate with his speech on the ridge about like, yeah, I'm a mercenary. And you can use that as an excuse to call it all off. But you're just looking for an excuse because you're yeah. all jittery and yeah. you're afraid and you should be afraid. But we're going to do this, you know. Well, I think that dovetails nicely with our conversation we we're having last week, right? Essentially, like, well, why is Cassian so important? I think we've learned two things in this episode. One, we've learned from um, uh, essentially, uh, God, I'm so bad at names, especially supervised. The guy in the on the course on import export, Luthen. We've learned from Luthen essentially that this that perhaps isn't an entire world of cells, and he could have his pick of the letter, but he really might be looking for people. He's looking for anyone he knows, and he just maybe come across Cassian and cassian works under pressure really well right mm-hmm. everyone else is showing signs of cracking but cassian actually becomes better under pressure it seems more self-assured uh and knows what to do um and he i feel like there's a lot of people in that situation like he's upset when it is interesting though the one time or the times when cassian seems to be on edge and seems like he he's not in control of himself is when people either touch him or touch his stuff he really doesn't like that and we see that multiple times in that episode I'm not sure they're going to do anything with that, but as a character, um, other than that, personal space thing, maybe, or just a, you know, he's been through, right? Like he, we, we know from that flashback from the first few episodes that he like essentially gets kidnapped, right? Like, you know, there is an element of, plus he was in prison. He's been in jail. Prison, I especially like that's a, yeah, yeah. we might see something around there that, but I thought that was, but other than that, like, again, when he has that exactly your point, Tony, that, that showdown on the ridge, um, he doesn't walk away. He doesn't make a fit of it. He was very no. clear, like, I'm here for this. I'm going to do it. And, like, he very quickly turns the scene on everyone else. I thought. Was well, and even, it. you know, I'm glad you brought up the, like, don't touch me thing. It's not, it's, like, clearly, I mean, he even kind of explains it in his taciturn, uh, sulky way, where he's like, you know, tell me what to do and I'll do it, right? It's not that I am, like, 
you know, uh, yeah. you know, don't yeah, respect yeah. your authority or something like that. Just so much as like, I can't, I can't deal with that. Right. Um, lines you don't cross. Yeah. Well, and it, we haven't gotten any flashbacks for the last two episodes, no. which is no, a, a little bit, a little yeah. bit interesting. I'm wondering, uh, yeah, I was wondering when we would see those more again there, we do have that, like, this is feeling very much like, you know, a set of book chapters, um, with these three, I'm assuming the third episode is the heist itself. Uh, and the three before, for it did you know were their own encapsulated thing uh and maybe we will get an episode that will be a will be a, a flashback by itself or, or or something like that i feel like i wonder if his his youth like do you think his youth is covered yeah it's it's possible we never go back to canary i would also believe yeah. they just leave that scene as it is of like mm-hmm. maybe the, me know, like this this show doesn't feel the need to explain everything right no you There's can a kind lot of, of loose color it in, right? Yeah, like he was yeah. taken color. away. He, mm-hmm. We we do know. I mean, I think the stuff with him looking for his sister probably comes into play again. Yeah, like that's. But the we setup. also know there's a second season, right? Yes. So yeah. this true. I, it doesn't. I it doesn't allow to get wrapped up. Right. Well, yeah, I even I, you know, yeah. and I was surprised. I was thinking he was going to mention uh, the sister because there's the thing where Val makes scheme apologize sort of explain himself to, yeah. to cassian oh, right, right? Yeah. and he's like sort of brother, let me tell you the story yeah. about how my brother died right and he's like and that's the <laughs> that's the closest you're gonna get to an apology and cassian's basically like it'll do uh, right uh Which i don't i think tell you yeah. really well of a cassian to accept that have like heard, again i was really impressed by that have you heard the story yeah. of darth plague the wise <laughs> yes and that was one thing i've liked about this episode too and what i've really enjoyed about the slow build and we talked about the tension building is in many ways, these characters also serve as um, a- avatars, perhaps, yes. of the broader rebellion. Of we're learning essentially this episode and the previous episode of how each of them chose to. Yes. How does everyone they, choose to fight for the rebellion? And again, I keep contrasting it to rebels because uh, they take place at a similar time. Mm. But like in rebels, the rebel cell is a family, right? And this is not yes. that. This is a bunch of misfits who have been brought together and. Uh, are broken in various ways and i I think it's a vow line where she's like everyone's fighting their own rebellion right uh because it's like they've all got their chip on their shoulder about the empire and people are trying to kind of pull them together but they don't they don't they barely they don't have a yeah they're not they're not quite a they don't have like a political agenda or it's just they just want to they want to do something some of them do not all. some of them does but it's it's not they're not unified right yeah it's a metaphor for the rebellion as a whole right essentially it's like you've got a group of disparate people who all have their own axe to grind and are all upset about the empire and don't really have any cohesion don't really have any unifying prospect other than somebody threw them all together and And don't have any philosophy Right. No, yeah, and and you know, I, I mean, I guess Lutheran has kind of done it, or maybe it's Val has like got them all going in the same direction, but they do not all believe the same thing, and you know, there, I don't know, it works well in that there's kind of like an uneasy, like we kind of understand, we kind of respect, but also we are not like we are not together as it were, right? Yeah, um, right. yeah. Right. and we don't trust each other. We, I mean, I think it's it's fundamentally also they're not even as disciplined or capable as some others. Like, Tony, you mentioned no. The Dirty Dozen last week, and I definitely yeah. keep flashing back to that or other other movies of that ilk um, where you kind of have this, like, ragtag group of people and they're thrown together. And in this particular case, you know, most of them, their their ideology outweighs their aptitude, yeah. right? Like, we, as far as we can tell, like, they're all really, like, committed in their own various ways. But it's 
all kind of their skills are very cobbled together. Like mm-hmm. we don't really know much about like Nemec clearly is a kid. He doesn't seem to have a lot in the way of like training. Skeen is like an ex-con with an axe to grind, basically, right? Like we, we yeah. don't really even know about some of these characters' backgrounds in terms of where they're coming from, but they're not people who are like we're not seeing like a trained unit of commandos going no. on. No, but you've got but this is where you've got to start, right? This is how you sure. show the start. Yeah. We also had um was it Lieutenant Gorn? Gorn? Yeah. Lieutenant Gorn. his story of like both the promotion and then losing his woman and then losing the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so the implication there was he uh, was in a relationship with was it they said a local so was that on Aldani or was that yeah, I, I okay Aldani. so yeah okay so the Aldanians who are going to hang out at this temple for their their sky celebration are human or humanoid because uh, we I haven't seen them yet we've just seen their, their like I their think stuff that's a safe assumption because they're looking to blend in wearing yeah, their various yeah. ponchos exactly um, so yeah. I think there's they're looking to blend in I also think there's the implication to a certain degree that. The Empire, obviously, not very tolerant of indigenous populations. No, and they, I mean, the Aldani are... In several ways. Yeah. And, like, we even have that, at this point, the, um... There's the corporal or whatever who's standing outside on the dam that... Talking about how they smell. The, the how they the smell, smell. Yeah. exactly. And it's, like, you can tell he's just kind of, like, gritting his teeth and smiling yeah. about it. Uh, and, like, I feel like the implication is the Empire killed his you know the woman that yeah. he was involved oh, with like, i missed that implication i think it's it's kind of oh yeah because that's his, I that's his she ex. left him because he was it things open-ended it could go either way yeah. but also but, but I, think, I could see why he, that would make him so angry as to take down the empire mm-hmm. right exactly it answers yeah. the question of why would someone defect yeah, um, yeah. and again without saying it outright right you you yeah. read between the lines here and like kind of color in a little bit like what's going on i think similarly in other places um you know for example this week where there are Basically, we're told that Vel and Cinta are in a relationship without yep. ever saying they're in a relationship. And I know there are some criticisms of of Disney and Lucasfilm sort of soft peddling a lot of their LGBTQ stuff. I think in some ways the storytelling in this particular episode it works because so much almost so much of this stuff is understated. It's not just that part that's understated. It's like that's the style and the tone of the show is like we're not going to be. I wish it had been like a little more obvious because I totally missed it. Because when I did that, there's cut, one line that says like that you know she's already, she's already sharing, sharing blank sheets, and yeah, they blankets. cut with um with Vel in the background, so like it leads you to that assumption. But then later on, there's uh, another part right. where yes, he says you dress yourself. Right. Well, not mm-hmm. only that, but also there's the, the another part where when they're talking about knowing that he's a mercenary, they look to Cinta and be like. Did you know? She didn't even tell me, right? Like everybody asks her because they assume she would know. That's true. That's fair. Actually, and then it was also when um, Cinta is essentially helping uh, Cassian get dressed. And I think uh, Vel takes that as a bit of flirting. I think it's dressing himself in terms of his uh, in his wound too, right? Ah, yes. And so basically said you can get dressed yourself. So again, showing some uh, protectiveness. So yeah, I take it back. You're right. There were three distinct touches that um, implied. And again, so much of this show is understated and not things are not explicitly like laid out there that that kind of it's consistent to me in the way that it does storytelling nothing's heavy handed in this except for mon motha's family <laughs> disdain for her that's yeah. it's a little heavy-handed um i've told dan this totally unrelated but i feel like someday i'd love to have a like this is actually this is totally unrelated to anything but like the idea of coming down to a house and having your own breakfast bar like to me that is like <laughs> the epitome of luxury of like having a breakfast spread laid out for you like downtown abbey style that that is true luxury 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Dan, you, uh, Dan, get to work. I was going to uh, say, uh, listeners, if you'd like to support Cat's Breakfast Bar Habits, <laughs> you can always support us at the couple.com slash members. Uh, I was, uh, in uh, in the Karn family house, uh, they do have a <laughs> Melu run fruit sitting on a bowl mm-hmm. in the middle there, which I thought was uh, adorable, speaking of breakfast, um, which is the fruit that... Ezra and uh, uh, Zeb get set on a wild goose chase to find. It pops yeah. up several times. I mean, it's not quite the uh, my cabbages of rebels. No, but it's, but it's basically yeah. And what, it, what was there a name for the drink that they gave uh, uh, Clem slash Cassian drink. that he only drank like a little bit of? Drail. Which I just D R A Y because we had to turn the is that on. what is it? What is a dray? That's a thing, it's right? Like a horse, right? Okay. I assume that it was. Uh, is do we know what the name of those goats were? I was just assuming that he was drinking fermented goat milk. Um, that's what, I, that's what <laughs> so. I is a trucker cart for delivering beer barrels or other heavy loads. Uh, but, but he also, doesn't. He, does, he doesn't have much of it. So no, yeah, no. I just. I it really reinforces just them like sitting in the wet woods. Yes. <laughs> it's the like you know uh, as an environment. Is, I also wanted um, to mention we talked about. Um, a few times the production um but the the look of this episode and the setting right like again gorgeous this, this is all shot on location pretty much uh, all the exterior stuff is shot in i believe in scotland um and it really shows right again it sort of conveys a very different feel from the stuff that's shot on the volume the stuff that's Dan, shot on i don't the know i don't know if we're great, i don't know if but... we're allowed to say that i think that uh, the official line is that the volume is amazing you and it's the, the solution the lighting I... looks different you can well it's, just watching I mean, the rings the lighting yeah looks different. And... you can tell it when it's real I mean, I think it. I think That's part it. of it is even just how people really use it, right? Like, I mean, here, think about all the shots in here, which I assume are drone, dr- uh, not drone, or not yet yeah, drone or crane shots, where it's like people like climbing up over the mountain and the, the you know and the tie fighters the sound comes right. Yeah. There's a sense of scale and place, uh, whereas like the volume works great when it's like we're walking on level ground and yeah. you know yeah claustrophobic or close yeah in or tight cool. shots you or... could do things yeah do otherwise but i will say i'm old-fashioned like i love real extras and i love giant beautiful Man, sets our, our vfx yeah. friends are gonna <laughs> listen sorry, to this and sorry. send you mail no but i like yeah. you have to use them to enhance it but like shooting on location just it just yeah. especially when you're shooting a seat that is highly with light saturation like Game well and even the same thing too when they shot in morocco like you need yeah. that you can't i could be wrong but i have never seen that replicated the same way as seeing that sun well and part of it is uh the the amazing contrast between the environments right and so maybe you know maybe everything else Mm -hmm. in the show is shot on the volume i don't know we haven't seen the making of yet but that works that we go from you know we we go from from uh, aldani sprawling uh grassy mountains to you know there was only a quick shot back on the you know the basically industrial phoenix to uh sorry ferrix to you know the coruscant uh uh conference rooms and whatnot you know that but it's it's the contrast between those is effective i think um i agree i think they've said they actually did not shoot this on the volume uh, at all interesting like it was the so f- yeah, which is interesting. I mean, they use traditional sort of sound stages and stuff, backlots mm-hmm. and the like for some of the industrial stuff. Yeah. Um, I did want to point out, you mentioned, Tony, briefly, the TIE fighter flyby scene, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, Real a, TIE fighters. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. actually <laughs> dug those out of mothballs. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 I mean, the, I want to say the sound editing on that yeah. is amazing. It's Where they yes. hear it coming yes. first, yes. Yep. Oh, and you can yeah. see it over the waves, too. And just like, mm. you can just see it's a hotshot pilot who's just... 
annoying. Yeah, well, and, and even just like the they are again, it's that that building of tension, and it's like they're concerned about ge- being seen. They got to get the guns covered. Is it bad that like yeah. there's you know six people sitting in a valley? Um, and the Tie Fighter pilot is just there to harass the locals and move on, yeah. right? And it so it's like it yeah. both like it both uh, kind of ramps up that tension that we've been building that whole episode, and also reminds you like. Yeah, the, the the bad guys are jerks. They care nothing for anybody, and are you know are gonna fly past them real fast and in a real you know real low for for kicks, right? Um, yeah, and and also the scene. I want to say the editing, which we talked about a little bit before. Yeah, let's talk there's a, a more cross about that. cut. I'm trying to remember now what it leads from, but it leads into the scene on Ferrix where they're the Imperial officers are marching. Um, there's like a scene of people walking and then it does a cross cut to the black in- uniformed mm-hmm. uh, Imperial officers marching in lockstep might be even from them pretending to be, I can't remember. I think, yeah, I think, I think I thought it was from Ferrex, but it's to, a really uh, sharp cut to a, yeah, like match cut sort well, of. Yeah. We did actually talk about, um, the Ferrex, they do start, I don't know if you talked about your recap to, uh, the character Doc Brown going to. Blevins. Thank you. Him. Not, not, not the character. Sleepless for the week. Technically not the actor either, but the the yeah. the, the rap yeah, name of yeah. the actor who plays Blevins. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah, going to to Ferrex and taking over the hotel for the guy who wants to be the prefect. Which again. So the, what was good about the editing? <laughs> Sorry, that guy. I I, don't yeah. even, I know it's not like a better pay raise or anything. I just want the title. It's oh, another God. great like imperial yeah. bureaucracy. But again, moment. it's so real. It's so real because it looks better on the resume. Yep. Um, but the <laughs> editing is very. Sh- I was thinking watching the editing is very sharp between the scenes, especially with Karn. It isn't sort of like the the long fades and like we're gonna tell one story, then we're gonna go over here and tell this other story. It's like a very quick intercut, and it gives the impression that all of these character stories are incredibly intertwined even though you have no idea how like the the editing is actually so tight and so rapid it actually feels more like the second to last episode in a big series that's gonna mm-hmm. pulling everything threads together and it's gonna tie up into one thing where everyone shows up together even though we're still several episodes away from that so it's it's a really distinct editing choice and i like it because it i i don't know how karn's gonna end up with everyone um, but clearly he is going to, uh, yeah. and it's very cool to see that. And keep, it keeps me very interested in everyone's story on at the same time, rather than being like, okay, we're going to follow the story that I like and then go off to this other character I don't really care about, but sure, I'll follow along. And with. I think that's what speaks to is sort of what we talked about before in terms of how you maintain something like this, where an episode where it seems like, quote unquote, not a lot happens, but how you maintain interest in it is having some of that tight editing and those mm-hmm. close, you know, sort of, uh, connections drawn and a lot of the scenes are fairly brief like they're kind of spare and to the point which i really appreciate there's not a lot of um, meandering through these scenes they sort of get in and get out and i think that's really from a writing standpoint it's really sharp because it's it's all about like there's no excess details everything is like let's spend just as much time as we need to be here and to accomplish the point and then we move on yeah. and if that means we spend 30 seconds with luthan in this episode because that's all we need then that's all we need. Uh, and I think, you know, that means a lot in terms of keeping the tension rationed up uh, and everything just sort of moving at a good pace and getting to the point where, like, you know, you watch 40 minutes and you're like, that's it? But also, oh, I want to see the next episode. <laughs> uh, do we have any 
we're only we're on episode five. We're not quite at the halfway point, which will be the uh, next week. But any thoughts on uh, um, where we're going or any other things that sort of uh, foreshadowing hints for you? So I guess I was, just oh, echoing what you were just saying. It's like the craft of how this show is put together just feels perhaps like on another level, especially compared to some of the other Star Wars shows that we have seen recently and covered. And, um, you know, maybe some of the tone and storytelling hits uh, particularly well with with some of us here. But I I don't know. I'm just consistently impressed by this show. To me, this is like on par, uh, though it's a different thing with um, uh, Mandalorian season one. Uh, But, you know, after some of the kind of rocky starts that were some of the other shows, uh, I'm just I'm really enjoying kind of how consistently well put together this is and i'm just it's not like the other shows where i'm like yeah i like parts of it it's star wars but why did they do that where is this going i hope they yeah. can salvage this um yeah speaking <laughs> of which i uh i did get i will share a spoiler that i did here that next what? episode is the mandalorian episode no no <laughs> i kid i kid uh, we need one more person for this host <laughs> and then they pull yeah. back and it's grogu <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> I think to what you're saying tony is i I like it a lot, and I think this is generally a good... It's not just good Star Wars. It's generally a very good TV show. Yeah, no. Um, it's... And, I, and I think part of that is because they can't rest on the world. I'm like, oh, it's Luke Skywalker, Lake Skywalker. You know that. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like, you already are tapped in emotionally. We don't need to convince you to care about these characters. They've got to work for us to like everyone. Um, and that, yeah. that, I think, I mean, works to the viewer's benefits. I think what's fascinating to me, a couple things about this show. One... One of the things I always look for in this kind of storytelling is tonal consistency. And to me, this show has that in spades. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like it knows exactly what kind of show it is from moment to moment. And it sticks to its guns in terms of, like, we're not going to diverge over here and do, like, you know, broad comedy. Like, there's stuff where you can kind of veer off formula. You can do stuff like The Mandalorian was very episodic, and that kind of worked for it. But in terms of this show telling one cohesive story, everything is kind of hitting the right sort of it's like using a palette of colors right like yeah. if you use a palette of colors it's like i'm i'm painting in earth tones and this is neon pink and you're like well, mm-hmm. that doesn't fit with everything else it's like no this this show knows its palette knows exactly what it has to work with and deploys it really effectively and then sort of from a broader point like a zoomed out view i think what i love about this show is it's kind of the proof of concept that star wars can do exactly what a lot of us have argued for many years and it has done in some other media which is tell it this universe is so interesting and can stand on its own without like touching about the c3po wandering through in the background not just just the like like hurry up r2 we're gonna be late for the place that we need to get to (laughs) not even just the fan service element but like yeah so much of the original story is reliant upon the mythology idea right like so much of it plays more into the fantasy angle of things too right with like it's the hero's journey and it like follows all this path and everything and we have the mythology and the force and the light side and the dark side. It's like, but I think a lot of us were like, oh man, I just want a story about like smugglers or like disreputable well, people like existing think, in this world because it's so interesting. That's and this, why I think Rogue Squadron was like one of the most popular book series in all of Star Wars. It has nothing to do with the Jedi. It's, it's just totally, about pilots. Oh, except for Corn Horn <laughs> yeah, I know, and all that. Yeah. Oh, wait, Corn Horn, uh, I never okay. really liked the character. But. Anyway, but like, yeah, I agree. Like, I think there's something compelling about that and... There was never quite the courage within the like Lucasfilm or Disney to be like, oh man, but like, but if we if we make a Star Wars thing and nobody shows up with a lightsaber, like people are going to be mad. And it's like maybe, but maybe there is an audience for something that is a little more, for lack of a better word, 
adult in terms of the way it's handling issues and talking about stuff. And I think this show is kind of the proof of concept. Like, yeah, you can totally do that. And it's good. So interesting. Do you think they'll ever talk about the Jedi, much less have a Jedi on screen before the end of the season? I don't think there will be a Jedi on screen. I think there's a slight chance it gets mentioned. But I think, honestly, the the Easter eggs for that are all like the things in the Luthan shop, right? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> where we're, that's the level of... We'll tip our hat yeah. to it, but it is not important to this story. And we, like and, I said before, it's storytelling is spare. We're not going to spend time talking about Jedi and the Force to remind you we're in Star Wars when it's not like it's not important to the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for example, I guess in the background of a shot in Luthen's shop this this week, uh, there's literally the stones from Temple of Doom, right? And Temple those Doom, are yeah. yeah, those are there as an Easter egg, being like, haha, If you recognize these, this is silly. Those are not there as the continuities here. Those are the actual <laughs> stones from the Temple of Doom, right? Like they, well, we that is that now. We don't know that. <laughs> no, that is not that is not what they are. Um, That's so, season you know, two. Season yeah. two is the Indiana Jones tie-in. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So no time for rebellions, Mr. Jones. Um, Dr. Jones. Um, so yeah, it's uh I, I think it's the show is very comfortable doing what it what it wants to do and not getting worried about the other stuff. I feel like sure, Jedi will get mentioned at one point. It's a little bit weird to me, even that they mentioned that like Knights of the Old Republic uh reference with the Kyber crystal and things like that. But you know, I I hope that we don't see any Jedi. Like I I don't know. I I'm you know there's there's always the question of like what do the what what do the people who are making the show want to tell us about uh Star Wars and the world like I'm I'm really I'm waiting to see how does uh how does their grad student uh philosophy grad student character how do things work out for him? How brutally is he murdered? Uh yeah. like did he have a point or was he is was he too precious to live? Um so yeah. So I actually so if we assume the next episode is the heist episode because everything's doing these little triptychs. Mm-hmm. Um I I will not be surprised, but I'll be a little sad if some of the characters die, because part of this, I think of like seedlings in the garden, right? We've put all this effort to create these new characters, to create this new world um, that we're trying to get the viewers invested in, and then to go and kill them off. It feels a little Mm -hmm. sad that, okay, you spent all this time, but they really were just registered. They were really just disposable characters rather than being like, no, you might see these characters again because there are time jumps in episodes nine and 12, and maybe part of this is also going to see how they. Maybe this isn't just Cassian Andor, but seeing how they all evolve and and throughout the rebellion and how the rebellion changes them and how they change the rebellion. I'll so just, I'll be sad. If I'll just gently remind you that the people who made this made Rogue One, in which yeah. spoiler, literally all of them die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hear that, but um, some some of them are going to die. I'm pretty confident some of them are going to die. Yeah. I and I think it's to point out that there are costs to the rebellion, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, these people are thousand credits, yeah. <laughs> but like. Some of these people are going in, they're not super well prepared, and they're going to pay a price from that. It's not going to be mm-hmm. like a Han Solo's like, oh, I got out with the skin of my teeth, you know, <laughs> because that's who I am. Um, I think I think it's going to show that there's a real cost to this, and it's going to be, my guess is also if somebody dies, it's going to be a little bit unflinching in the way that that pays off too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful, though, that at least Cassian needs to, something needs to happen to get Cassian convinced to support the rebellion. Um and I, I wonder if we're going to see some degree of self-sacrifice or something that makes him realize, I think currently he looks down on everyone in the group and just thinks this is a job. And 
something's going to have to shift in the next episode. Speaking of which, uh, we should probably wrap up for this week. So um, I will just remind you that we'll be back next week to talk about episode six of Andor. Uh, you can always reach us at ACP at com or at ACP underscore cast on Twitter if you'd like to share your thoughts, ask questions, comments, etc. We'd love to hear it. Uh, and I would, of course, like to thank my guests, or my guests, my co-hosts, as always, Tony Sindelar. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And Kat Benish. Always a pleasure. This was fun. Have a great night, all. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Until then, may the Force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>